welcome to the podcast. Yep, a podcast. That's that's what this is. It's called One Like Equals One Prayer. And if you didn't know what a podcast is, well, you're actually listening to one. And it's actually this very second in time and space. It's a podcast. Uh, this podcast, what, what we do is we talk about stuff. Yep, we talk about uh, Christian stuff. And then usually we give a convoluted answer to some sort of open-ended question about the Christian stuff. I'm Josh Krause, and I'm going to be your guide on this mystical journey through time and space. On today's episode, we're going to take a look at evil, and we will ask, did God create evil? And why does God allow good things to happen to bad people anyway? So with that said, let's get on with whatever this is, and allow me to introduce my fellow pals and hosts. First, we've got Kevin Eccles. Hello. Next up, uh, it's just some guy named Mark Thornton, I don't know. Who knows who that guy is? I think he's cool. We should listen to him. Uh, I don't know about that. And uh, last and also least, it's Eric Latassi. Hello, hello. I'm actually disappointed that your banter actually has nothing to do, like, there's no reference to anything. <laughs> no Indiana Jones. I'm really disappointed. Oh, that's no. like, oh, I, I got to okay. So, so yeah, no, that's Kevin's fault. No, Let's. no, 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 no. What I am is I am happy that there's no joke where I can't see the pattern by the time it gets to my impression. Uh, <laughs> so I sound super lame for not getting the joke, and then it becomes obvious by the time you get to Eric. Kevin doesn't like being left out of the loop, apparently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Speaking of loop, who hasn't seen Infinity War? I I have not seen it. Uh, <laughs> Basically, only Mark has. Yes. All of you are out of the loop. We should go soon. Seriously. See, see. Alright, so getting on with it, today's topic <laughs> of evil, one of the biggest arguments most people have to disprove the existence of God is the argument that evil exists, or that is to say, why does God allow bad things to happen to good people? Who knows who good people are? I don't know. So today we will try to answer the question, but more specifically the question, did God create evil? And if he did... Is it, isn't that wrong of him to do so? Or if he didn't, then where did evil come from? Is it wrong for God to allow suffering to continue? And why doesn't he do anything about it? So my question to start this lovely thing, because I have a list I think we need to let Eric ask his questions. We all know he's going to ask it. Okay, fine. I have a bunch of questions here. Go ahead, Eric. All right. So, as always, what is evil? Define evil. So, so uh, as Mark, what is evil? <laughs> I'll Google. Here okay. we go. Here is what I found on the web. <laughs> Did it, it didn't tell us though. What does it say? Tell me the definition of evil. Let's take. I would like to have crickets inserted here. More <laughs> reprehensive, sinful, uh, wicked. These example sentences are selective automatically from the various online news sources to reflect the current usage of the word evil. Guys, we're not definition. Ironically enough, that kind of gets at what I was about (laughs) to start saying, is that it's pulling the definition of evil from, like, online news sources. Evil is very much... This is going to make me sound like some sort of, like, weird liberal universalist person. I but, like, it. evil is very much in the eye of the beholder. Like, I call things evil if I don't like them. That's mean. Okay. So, but so that sounds harmful. very... 
That sounds very subjective. I would say that's, that's very that's very interesting. As I say, it almost sounds like that you're saying that evil is whoever's not doing my will. Hey well, guys, from it's God's an perspective, adjective. that's exactly what evil is. I just want everyone to know it's an adjective. I would, I would say you, I would say evil is the absence of good. It's morally wrong or bad. But now you have to define good. Absolute bad. <laughs> nope, can't get away with that. <laughs> No, like, I, seriously, I think that it, Josh is right? <laughs> like, <laughs> no, I mean, like, honestly, if we were to, like, sit down and create a giant long list of things that are evil and try and, like, define evil and good by the lists that those terms create... You know, like lying is evil, but honesty is good. Like if we go through and we do all of that, we've basically just become a super legalistic cult. (gasps) And I think we've totally missed anything that Christianity might reasonably or usefully have to say about the subject. Guys, we finally did it. Wait, wait, wait. You're saying by defining the word, it becomes, they're making it out to be like, um... If you define you it guys, as a list of stuff, we're yes. all about to start being judges if we're trying to define that. Yeah, but I think that's a little ridiculous. That's a little jump in logic, don't you think? Back to what I was saying is that, uh, I mean, it sounds like you're saying that if you go around defining words all the time, like you're making it out to be like we're some sort of. I can't even say how I'm going to say it now. It's not like you're basically saying that if we spend too much time defining words that they end up becoming convoluted in and of themselves, essentially, because we're going to end up putting, like, a subjectivity, a level of subjectivity into it at the end. What's convoluting mean? Uh, like, watering it down to its most, like, minute part to where it loses any meaning of what originally the intent was. Yeah. yeah. Convoluted means, like, twisted or backward or mangled beyond all recognizable reason. Like, and what I, what I meant by that, maybe I didn't say it very well, was... Not that defining evil makes us bad Christians, but that if you define evil based on a list of things and you start giving lots of examples, and that's your, like, that's the way you choose to define evil was, well, it's all of these things. Um, You now just have a list of things you're not allowed to do. And I think there's a deeper and more useful and more vibrant truth in Christianity than don't do this list of stuff. Do this list of stuff instead. Yeah, but I don't get how just... Okay. All right. It almost sounds oh. like uh, evil tends to grow as far as our understanding of what that means. Um, so, take for example, you could say that... You, you're saying that you know lying is essentially wrong, but that's not necessarily the whole truth about lying. I mean, in some instances, lying can be right. And so it, it sounds like evil is not going away from the intentional purpose of what its purpose is for or designed for. Is that correct? Yeah, I think so. Um, like, I'll give an example because we're getting super abstract. Like, Scripture in the Bible celebrates Rahab the prostitute as one of the people who are an example of a hero of the faith in Hebrews chapter 11, right? One, she was a prostitute that involves adultery. 
which was against Old Testament law, also against New Testament law, you know. But yet she's celebrated as a hero of the faith despite doing, like, having apparently this profession that is by definition wrong, right, as defined by Scripture. And then the thing that she did that made her a hero of the faith was lying to the guards that were looking for the spies. So she is a prostitute, she lies, and because of that, she's a hero of the faith. Okay, so I think um, maybe we need to clarify, though, that there's a definite... There's obvious differences between something that's wrong and something that is evil. I think... um, Something can be wrong, but isn't necessarily evil. But I think if something's evil, it's always wrong. (laughs) Is that that a good way to say it? I don't know. Because what you're saying is like, okay, so in like time and period, Rahab's a prostitute. Okay, that's not good, right? That's that's wrong. That's that's quote unquote. That's bad, right? Mm -hmm. Or her, but her um, her intentions were good, and her actions ultimately ended up being good. And she might have been wrong in those... Well, maybe she was wrong because of her... What she was doing at the point in time, but she wasn't evil because of her intentions and her actions ultimately ended up being good. So the difference between being wrong or being evil is intentionally being wrong is what evil is? Is that how you... Well, I would go back to the lack of absence of good. So you're in- intentionally choosing to not be good? That's what evil is? <laughs> I would say maybe you're getting close to it. Okay. Or at least the absence of, or you're completely like, you're completely, you have no intent. It's just pure, your pure motive is maybe self, maybe at that point. You guys see why I'm asking for a definition. (laughs) Yeah. That's why I literally jumped in and said, let's start with Eric's question. (laughs) So this is really murky waters. And like, when you say just the absence of good, I can't fathom what the absence of good is. Because that would imply that, I mean, if we're going to sit there and say, oh, God is good, and anywhere you see goodness is God, I can't imagine what a place without God would be like. So what is evil? What What is suffering? (laughs) No, seriously, what is suffering? Uh, I would say bad things happening. Bad things. You're you're defining (laughs) bad things, you're just defining evil things. Suffering is... Not good. It doesn't feel good, at least. Like, suffering doesn't feel good, at least. So maybe that's bad. Which leads me to my ultimate question. Why do bad things happen to good people? But not all suffering is bad. In what way is is suffering not bad? With the exception of Jesus dying for all of our sins. Let's move on to that one. I would say that's still bad. He still died. He still died. Eric, yeah. Why? Okay, so give me an example of suffering that isn't bad, then. Well, I mean, like, you know, as a runner, we suffer every day we run. I mean, running never gets great. <laughs> I mean, I, so as a runner, I do keep running, and my performance gets better, but I have to suffer for it. That's one instance. Another instance would be if you're getting a tooth removed, it's going to feel much better after it's removed, but you're going to feel pain and some suffering after it's been removed. But it's a good thing that it got removed. So, you, I mean, C.S. Lewis talks about this quite a bit, that there's not all suffering is bad. He would argue that meaningless suffering is bad. Okay. So if Christ died and, and there was no resurrection, or if Christ died and no one got saved, if that's what your faith is pro- 
you know, saying, that would be meaningless suffering. And that would be bad. Okay. Um, so, I guess... Uh, Why do bad things happen to good people? <laughs> We're gonna get there, I think, at some point. Maybe, People are not answering I, my question. I still want to talk about the terms a little bit. Is it is it possible to come up with an obje- objective definition for these words? But I mean, ultimately, I feel like suffering and evil, like whatever conclusion you come to, is probably going to be subjective. Is there like a clear, concrete definition that we can give of those words that would be objective? I think it depends on your faith. It depends on like. I mean, Christianity does have an objective definition of evil, or they will say they do. Uh, I would think Islam and other religions probably do, except maybe Buddhism. Um, But that's the thing, like, if we're going to talk about, like, because I saw one of your questions that, you know, the the argument against God being good is that there's evil in the world, but then you have to sit there and ask, well, then what is that? I mean, because if you take God out of the picture, that's just life. There's the evil is the useless term we use to describe things that happen to people that we don't want that to happen. <laughs> and so that could be bad things. It could be good things. Either way, I'm still suffering. I mean, you could suffer if you wanted a promotion and you didn't get it. I mean, that I mean, we have to sit here and define evil and we're going to have to use it from a Christian standpoint. And I feel like the, the argument from if we're going to say the atheist or the agnostic or somebody who is really questioning I mean, where does this evil come from? I mean, the term doesn't really exist outside of faith. If you're not, if you're not going to, um, uh, if there's no such, if you're not for atheists, in my opinion, yeah, like you're trying to define evil. But in my mind, if you're trying to define evil, you officially become the judge. <laughs> exactly, you're definitely a judge if you're trying to define a lot of things. I think you're right on that, Mark. I think that, okay, two halves of what I'm about to say. The first half is that the reason that suffering exists is because we have deprivation. We have things that we want and we don't get that are not chosen for ourselves. So, like, it's not suffering if I could go eat a piece of chocolate cake and I choose not to. That's me choosing to not get more fat than I already am, right? That's not suffering. That's that's discipline. That's voluntary. That's self-discipline, right? Um, it also could even be considered a noble act if someone else is more in need of food than I am, and so I voluntarily choose to not eat so that they can, right? Um, but if everyone on the earth decided that this is the list of stuff that I need to be happy, and we didn't consider the needs of others when we made our list, right? There's no way that every person on earth can have everything on their list. And so there's this necessary component of because we are self-centered and because there are things that we want that come at the expense of other people, suffering will always exist in that kind of a situation. And we do it to one another. So you're saying... I'm saying the only system that would be totally free of suffering is a system full of people that voluntarily choose to go without to make sure that everyone else is provided for. And if everyone does that, you could conceive of some way that 
you could exist without suffering. If everyone is continually looking after others the way they look after themselves. Which, coincidentally, is one of the two things that Christ commands us to do. What about natural causes, disease, sickness, and the like? I mean, unless you're immortal, you're going to die sometime. So there, that covers sickness. Yeah, but what about dying in excruciating ways due to sickness? I mean... So, you're basically saying, why do we have pain? Sure. Well, there are diseases where, like, degenerative neuron... Like, what, what's the word I'm looking for? Nerves? Having to do with nerves? They'll come to me in, like, five minutes. It's fine. There are, are diseases that attack your nerves that make you unable to feel pain. And Neural? people, like, that they end up hurting themselves. What? Is that myosinthia gravis? Uh, I don't remember what the disease was called. Okay, I can't remember. Neurodegenerative. That's the word I was looking for. Like, where they can't feel pain, and so they end up hurting themselves, because they don't realize that they've got their hand resting on something hot, because they can't feel that it's hot, you know? Okay. So, like, we want to be able to feel when something's wrong, but we don't want it to be uncomfortable, because being too uncomfortable is painful. So it's like, we need a little bit of pain, just so that we know what is and isn't healthy. We just don't like it when something's genuinely wrong and we feel pain because of it. Like, we want to be spared that. And somehow we blame God, even though it's our bodies telling us that there's something really wrong, which should not be pleasant, because there's something really wrong. Like, it's our bodies doing exactly what our bodies were designed to do. Okay. Like, I, I just, I think it's a little presumptuous to blame God for that. Yeah. I mean, but I think, uh, I think people do. I don't. I know, I know people do. I'm just saying it's presumptuous. I don't think it's valid criticism. You want to criticize God, I think there are better reasons to. Okay. Um. I think if you criticize God, you're left with nothing. Like, what are you going to do? Sit there and say, well, God can't exist or, you know, this is evil or whatever. Like, well, what are you going to do about it? There's nothing, you know what I mean? There's like. It's like complaining, well, everybody knows this, complaining but never having a solution. You, you, there's nothing after that. That's why, I, I, if anything, I like Dallas Willard when he says, if, you know, whether or not, you know, I'd rather have God suffer with me than go on life suffering with myself, if that makes sense. Yeah, or even when we want to, like, try and define what is good, you know, Jesus' answer was no one is good except God. And so by extension, I would argue that it makes a lot of sense to say when God's will is done, either by him or by us, that is good. When God's will is opposed by us or because of the broken natural order, then that's evil. Okay, so then, um, so I guess that maybe touches a little bit on suffering so let's let's circle back a little bit and maybe let's talk a little bit about um evil the word that we can't even begin to describe which is great so how are we going to answer a question on that i don't know but um did god create evil i guess did did he create it which is probably a it's kind of a stupid question to begin with but um like how would how would we explain that then if God didn't create evil, where did it come from? Sure, there you go. That's a good way to put it. You wrote it. <laughs> I wrote it. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> Still. I, 
the way I would answer that is I would say God creates evil the way that a light bulb creates shadows. Okay, so you're it's saying... It's not a perfect metaphor, but like... We gotta talk English. Shadows happen because there's something in the way of the light. You know, something blocks the light, and so behind it is dark. So you're saying it's almost uh, maybe like causal and effect almost? Well, I'm saying that God is good, and when we block God or do what is not godly, yeah. it is evil. So... Does God create evil by being good? Well, it's by seeing good that we know what evil is. Okay. So sort of, but not in the way that we can blame him for it. Does he allow it to happen then? Yes. Okay. So maybe that's maybe that's an area where people would take more issue with rather than whether or not he created it or not, because you're saying, and I agreed that it's not he didn't necessarily create it, but it's more so a cause of something else that he did create, which is free will, which we, maybe we can get on that. Uh, we'll probably get on that in a little bit, but uh, to talk about more about why does he allow it? Then I guess why does he allow? Like, I mean, I guess, like, something that I, that's come up a lot for me is, like, something like the Holocaust. Like, why why did God allow that to happen? Why couldn't he just, you know, oh, sorry, Hitler, you you fell and broke your neck or something. I don't know. It's something ridiculous like that. Like, why couldn't that have happened? And sure, maybe he's, and this is at one point in time, maybe he's playing with free will, but not even necessarily playing with free will, but just allowing something else to happen that maybe... Hitler dies in the process or something, and then we avoid the Holocaust. Like, why doesn't God step in and allow, stop something like that from happening? Does God use suffering or evil to teach people a lesson or to get a person's attention? Sounds like a lot like that question. I think that it's, again, like, I feel like it's really presumptuous to blame God for Hitler. Like, we currently right now have things going on that are very much like what Hitler's did and what Hitler did. You know, we've got a guy who right now, I think today, is running an election to try and extend his presidential term down in Burundi by like 18 years or something crazy like that. And the reason he wants political power is because he wants to continue genocide. That's been going on for like 15, 20 years, but nobody in the news cares about it because one, it's not new, and two, it's in Africa. And news stories about Africa just don't increase viewership. So we've got something going on right now that is approaching the death toll of the Holocaust. And most people just couldn't be bothered to care. Sure. So I, to a certain extent, I would say, well, like if we're going to blame God for not stopping Hitler, we need to blame ourselves for not stopping the genocides that have become normal in Africa. Okay, but um, what I'm saying is, okay, I'm, so, I'm no more guilty for those genocides than God is for Hitler, because I'm not doing all I can do to stop it, and I think that God, frankly, doesn't have any better alternatives. Okay, if he starts messing with free will, we're all screwed. Yeah, but I'm saying, what if this one point in time that he just happens to allow something? Because we're already saying he's allowing things to happen, right? He's allowing potentially allowing bad things to happen to different good and bad people like quote i'm using air quotes for good and bad uh why can't he just potentially allow something to happen where maybe you know hitler gets killed or something before and, and just stop all this he knows everything right he knows it before it's going to happen why does he just allow this to happen then 
I mean, in the Old Testament, he started to. And we blame him for it. Okay. There was Korah's rebellion, where people were starting to oppose Moses' leadership. And the earth opens up and swallows them. And most people read that story and go, wow, that's barbaric. How could God do such a thing? And yet, we then speak out of the other sides of our mouth, and we're really mad at God for not doing it when we think he should. Like, we got to pick a side. Either he's justified in being the vengeful, killing, murderous God of the Old Testament, and we're totally comfortable with that. Or we have to live with the fact that God gave us free will, and if we screw ourselves over with it, that's not his fault. We can't have it both ways. It sounds like, Josh, that you're kind of sitting there, and I mean, and I'm not sitting there like saying putting words in your mouth, but it's really the question of the matter is, how much is God going to be sovereign versus how much is God going to just allow free will willy-nilly, I'm going to sit back and watch the world destroy itself? Yeah, and I feel like that's a question I've kind of played around some with in my head that, um, like I mentioned to you before, you guys, and we've talked about it a little bit, just like, how much does God actually care on a day-to-day basis? To the point where, like, I mean, I get free will. I understand that part of it. I mean, I guess we probably should talk about that a little bit more of how that actually affects things. But, like, is it ultimately worth catastrophes the size of, you know, the Holocaust or Armenian genocide or, you know, tsunamis and things like that? Is it ultimately that, is it worth it at that point in level that and does it make God seem almost a little cold to those type of things where he's almost um, indifferent to when those type of things happen, where it seems like maybe he could step in and, and stop those or at least alleviate it to some extent? Right, because you're saying apathy and indifference is either an evil or it's wrong. I would say yes to an extent. But what if inaction is not apathy or indifference? Okay. Because, I mean, you're, you're making the assumption that if God doesn't stop it, he must not care. And I don't think that follows. Okay. It's entirely possible for God to not intervene and kill Hitler early. But you, you're assuming that if he didn't kill Hitler, which he obviously didn't, it's because he didn't care. And I, Again, I don't think that's, that's fair. Like, it, it doesn't, like, you haven't proven that. But I would say that you you are necessarily saying that maybe God cares, but God's not powerful enough to do anything about it. Or that there's a good reason he didn't? So I guess those could be answers to it, that either A, he's not powerful enough to do to stop anything about it, then at that point, is he really God, which makes me question other things. Or two, like Kevin is saying... Um, Whatever you just said, I don't even remember. My brain, brain is like fried today. Maybe, maybe he had a better reason than he didn't care or he couldn't. Okay, that he that he didn't. That he had a better reason not to. Right. That there's some ultimately some. It's a, it would be better not to in the end for whatever reason that we don't know. Or I would right? just point out that preserving free will is good. I don't think anyone would argue that it's not. Okay. Yeah. Preserving free will is a good thing. And if but God just always starts good. deciding... That's the question. The what? Sorry. So Eric can't... Go. I said, is, is it always good? Given the alternatives, yes. And why? Because free will is what makes us human. <laughs> well, okay, so why why does it make us human then? And without it, what would we be, essentially? I, I don't know, but something less than human. 
controlled. Eric, do so, you think free will is overrated? I think, I think like every human being, we 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 like free will when it's our will, and I don't know for sure whether or not it's always a good thing. Because, and if we're going to talk about the Holocaust, we can talk about the African genocide. Is it a good thing? No. Many people are dying. Um, But, I mean, if we're going to sit there and say, well, maybe people's character, I mean, but see, we have to sit here and talk about what would be even better, you know, what's the good cause of all that suffering? And it's kind of a difficult task, because if I sit there and say it's none, well, then I made suffering meaningless. And we've already said that suffering has to have meaning because if it doesn't have meaning, we all ought to just end ourselves now. <laughs> but uh, so I, I do buy that we have to have suffering, but I don't know if I necessarily buy that free will is always good. I mean, in fact, the church teaches that it's not a lot of times, right? That's why we have legalism and all this other stuff. We keep telling people what not to do. Kevin's making a face. Yeah, he doesn't like it. <laughs> it's it's because you're you're confusing two things. You're confusing the existence of free will with the consequences of free will. For free will is a good thing. However, we often use free will to do awful things. That doesn't make free will bad. It means we do bad things with it. The consequences. Yeah, of if you kill someone with a hammer, that doesn't make the hammer evil. But I guess the question now is that it's begging is why allow? Why would God allow us to have an, a loaded pistol with this free will stuff? And this comes back to my point of, and I mean, Kevin and I have had this conversation a hundred times in the past, uh, of that, you know, Kevin is of the mindset that doing nothing is not always, is sometimes the right decision or is the good decision, where I feel a lot of times that doing nothing is equal to choosing whatever evil is happening. Right, and, I, and I'm not saying that blaming God is the right way to go about it, but I am saying that the method seems to be a little bit, I mean, for, for us to sit there and say, well, it's just free will, I don't buy it necessarily 100%. And, you know, granted, maybe that makes me sound like I'm a Calvinist, which I'm not, but I just, free will, if we really dig, there's a lot of consequences in having it. But I understand why. And Kevin's right. That's the only way that you could be a human being and, you know, and have these choices and whatever. But it's kind of like, man, you gave us the option to have all these choices to choose you or not to choose you, to choose obedience or not and to choose folly, to choose all these different things. I mean, I, I don't know. <laughs> it just seems like, I, you know, I'm... It's a little bit, I'm not completely sold. Now, I don't have a better alternative, so it's not like I can like sit there and say, oh, yeah, here's this other concept right here. But I do, I'm, I'm not, I don't, I personally don't have God out of the hot seat yet for the Holocaust. I understand why suffering has to have meaning, because I don't want all those Holocaust survivors to suffer for nothing. And I also understand that... <sighs> I was going somewhere with that. Um, Great job. I understand, I understand the character matters. I understand that like there's a lot of good things that come from suffering and pain. And those we have to keep our eyes on the prize. But I also, I mean, it's not like I don't want the absence of those two things. I want to know why does it get so global and extreme? 
Like, I, and I get it. Oh, because everybody has free will. But I'm like, well, yeah, but there ought to be like a limit. <laughs> I mean, I don't give my, I don't give Emmett a loaded pistol and say, here you go, kid. Now, I hope you learn that you can't shoot people. You know what I mean? So that's, that's what I'm, I don't do that. So I'm, that's why I'm questioning God's parenting here a little bit. I mean, I, I could respond by saying, well, it's a good thing we don't live longer. I mean, I, th- I think that's the message of the Old Testament when it makes that transition from, by the way, people lived for 900 years to saying, well, then God limited their years. I mean, I think it's also the story of the Tower of Babel. The Tower of Babel was a bunch of people who were told to disperse and go and populate the earth. And instead, they came together and they built this giant, huge tower. And back in the day, there was only one way to build something that large, and that was through slave labor. And so you have this system of, like, slave labor and collecting together and building systems and deciding to reach for the heavens and become like God. And God steps in, and he does. He confuses their language. He divides them, says, no, 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 you don't get that power. I'm going to make you go scatter now. So, I mean, like, just because we have enough power to do harm doesn't mean that God hasn't taken greater power to do harm from us. So you're saying there are instances of there then then where he stepped in at some point in time. Yeah, I mean there's instances of that in scripture, like in the first 12 chapters. And so the only alternative to avoid the criticism of well you shouldn't have given us this much power is to give us so little power that we can't hurt each other. But doesn't that kind of work against your argument then? If there are instances of where he stepped in, then why hasn't he stepped into like some of these bigger things that we've had that we can point to in the last thousand years? Well, I don't think Tower of Babel is literal. Right. All right. There wasn't a literal tower, and that's not why we have literally different languages. It's a story about God has limited our abilities. You know, even in Eden, you know, we have the ability to choose between good and evil, and God says, "Oh my goodness, I cannot let them be immortal." So death itself is given as a limitation on the amount of evil we can do to one another. Like, this is like the narrative of the beginning of Genesis, is there is such a great capacity for evil here that God needs to limit us. We should be limited in what we can accomplish. Because otherwise, we're going to be even worse. You know, like... And so you've got, you know, the entire earth and everyone on the face of the planet was bent on nothing but violence all the time. Enter the flood. Yeah. So, like, <laughs> the more I talk, the more I realize, like, basically every story in the first part of Genesis is a story about mankind being really awful and God stepping in to do something to protect us from our own awfulness. Why hasn't he d- stepped in since? Who's to say he hasn't? That's a good point. You're asking me to prove and talk about stuff that didn't happen. Okay. Like it, it, by definition, it doesn't exist, and there is no proof of it. Okay. Um. Then why does the why do things happen then that um are maybe like natural occurrences then like what is the cause of that? So like earthquakes or tsunamis, those type of things. So like people obviously that's not the cause of a person being bad or evil. Or, like, what is the cause of that? Why do those things happen? Why can those things just not happen, then? I mean, if we imagine a world in which there are no earthquakes, no tsunamis, no fires, you know, whatever. 
someone will roll down a really steep cliff and we'll be like, why did God build <laughs> such a down. steep hillside? <laughs> Somebody fell down and broke their leg. Clearly this is God's fault because we were hurt falling down this really, really steep hill. You know, like, I mean, unless there is a world in which it is impossible to hurt yourself and suffering does not exist at all ever, we're going to look at the worst example of suffering we know about and blame God for it. Like, imagine there's something worse than tornadoes, and now all of a sudden we don't think tornadoes are a big deal, just the way we laugh at the idea of falling down a hill and blaming God. But if tornadoes and fires and hurricanes didn't exist, we might be really mad that that cliff is there. Why does gravity exist? Why did God make gravity if all it does is break my leg? You know, like, why couldn't God have created a world without gravity? I mean, like, you've got an infinite number of things to blame God for if that's what you want to do. I think natural blame can only get answered by natural causes. So, I mean, you can't have a world that doesn't have gravity. Otherwise, you'd blame God. Why do I keep floating into outer space and dying? That's right. (laughs) In that instance, like, for me to sit there and say, why do natural disasters happen? I was like, well, you know, they have to happen because you live on a planet. (laughs) So you live on a physical world that has to obey physical laws. Now, we can argue why God doesn't intervene more or get people out more, or we can talk about those sort of things, but I'm never going to argue why are there tornadoes. I think that's ridiculous. But I will argue why does a tornado strike a hospital, I mean, or, you know, that can't evacuate, or, you know, there's certain things you could argue there. But to me, yeah, natural causes is like, hmm, why did God make water? Why did God not make water? Why is there deserts? It doesn't, it doesn't matter. Why is there deserts? Oh, that's an easy explanation. I got this. Now, there are deserts because way back when... Eve ate an apple. Why are there deserts? <laughs> it shows how it moves around the atmosphere near the equator and tropics. Some deserts are found on the western edges of continents. They are caused by cold ocean currents, which run along the coast. They cool the air and make it harder for the air to hold moisture. <laughs> Guys, my phone answered why there's deserts, but thank you. Oh, that didn't help anybody. <laughs> that was terrible. To be fair, to be fair, deserts is probably an easier explanation than evil. Oh, I, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> it's, it's still funny. That's great. Good. I'm glad we're getting somewhere. Uh, okay. Um, so I think we answered those kind of, sort of. Okay, all right, Mark, give us some of those other bad questions. There's, like, a list of them. I, there was. He, did, he did bring up one question. He brought up, uh, is God testing you or is God punishing you? Yeah, that was, that's a bad, that's one of the bad questions. I have a list of bad questions, so. But I think that's a good question okay. because I think a lot of Christians, I mean, that's the retribution principle, right? We all believe it but don't believe it? Uh, so what, let me find this question and it's, then. It's why, this, this, hold on, I have it. Are you talking about does God use suffering or evil to teach people a lesson or to get people's attention? Yes. Was that it? Yes. To say it again. Oh. Um, does God use suffering or evil to teach people a lesson or does it get a person's attention? Or to get a person's attention? I think God takes advantage of the fact that we pay attention when we're suffering. Say that again? I think when we're suffering, we pay better attention to God. And God is there and takes advantage of the fact that we're paying attention. 
Fagad's just opportunistic. Got it. Yeah. I mean, in this case, yes. I don't think God is like, you know what? I'm going to make sure that Josh gets cancer because he's been kind of a jerk to me lately. Like, no. Okay. But if you have been ignoring God and something bad happens in your life and suddenly you're like, oh my goodness, God, where have you been? He's like, dude, I'm right here. Start talking. Let's go. You know, like... Okay. You know what I mean? Like, I think that Romans is very specific when it says all things work together for the good of those who love God. God works together all... Like, you know, like, it's the idea that God takes the bad thing and makes it something good. That doesn't mean it wasn't bad to begin with. It doesn't mean that God sent the bad thing because he's ticked at you. It just means that when bad things happen, God takes advantage of that situation and goes, can we make something good of this? Like, he makes a pot roast out of something bad. Like, there's, like, bad sugar. Like cab- so cheesecake. Cabbage God or something. God is like or... a redneck from the south who finds a dead possum by the side of the road and makes a pot roast. <laughs> Remember those Roadkill Cafe t-shirts? I and, do. Yeah. Those but, were those less funny cool. now than I thought they were then. Those were sweet when I was, like, in elementary school. I wanted one. Yeah. What is it? Roadkill Cafe. You don't remember that? <laughs> no. That was probably before weird. your time. Yeah. Mark is, this is this is showing that Mark really is truly younger than the rest uh, of us. It's a t-shirt and it said Roadkill Cafe and had a menu. It'd be like, Possum Pie, nine ninety nine or <laughs> I something. I Yeah. <laughs> I just remember laughing at Possum Pie. Wow. Um, so then the... I'm just laughing at it now. So, <laughs> I never know. So then, like, a teaching of, like, um, you know, oh, so-and-so is sick, so they must they must be doing wrong. That's, That's awful. Okay. I mean, I can understand why they, they think that way, because you see some of that in the Bible. Like, yeah. especially Deuteronomy and Joshua, and uh, you get that similar line of thinking. But you have to start asking yourself, am I going to use those two books to make my picture of God be that? You know what I mean? Are those two books of God, representatives of God? And so, otherwise, I mean, if you believe this Jesus fella is actually, you know, God, (laughs) you kind of have to ask yourself, uh, does does he cause suffering? I mean, does he cause it? And if you think, well, no, I don't think so, then you kind of have to, then you have to rethink what you just thought. And say, oh, well, if God's not causing suffering i mean of course you know we can talk about there is one who does but uh, but for the most part of what we're going after here it's it's a matter of clinging to god versus you know being caused by god say that again i think it's a matter of clinging to god than than being caused by god i don't think god I think if God really is represented in Jesus and that we should look at everything through the Jesus lens, then the suffering is not caused by God. After all, that's what the disciples asked when they said, who made this man born blind? And Jesus said, no one. So, I mean, obviously Jesus had a theology here of himself, which he knew himself. <laughs> All right, weird saying. But he, <laughs> he says, hey, this suffering is not caused by someone's wrongdoing. It just is. Or even if you don't trust the gospel... Go ahead, Kevin. Or even if you don't trust the gospels to interpret the Old Testament, even Job. I mean, the entire point of the book is not that God gives you all your stuff back if you persevere. 
the points of the book is the argument that's the middle like 38 chapters of the book where Job is sitting there with his jerk face friends who were like look God took all your stuff you must have done something wrong and then his wife comes along and is like oh man you're miserable you should just curse God and die you know, and then finally, towards the very end of the book, there's this young guy that comes in and was like, I don't know, that's really how it works. And then finally God shows up and was like, who are you to question me? What, 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 what makes you think you're qualified here? Were you there when I laid the foundation of the earth? Because I'm pretty sure you weren't. You know, and so like, the whole premise of the book of Job is not, when do I get my stuff back? The premise of the book is, okay, if three things can be true, they can't all be true at the same time. We need to pick two. So either God is all-powerful, or God gives rewards to those who are righteous, or Job was righteous. How many do I have to pick? You have to pick two. So, like, either Job sinned, and God is all-powerful and rewards righteous people, and then Job was punished, so therefore, that's why it works. Or, God rewards the righteous, and Job is righteous, but God wasn't powerful enough to make it happen. Or God is all-powerful, Job was righteous, but God doesn't always reward the righteous with good stuff. Being righteous is no guarantee that your life is going to be cushy. And I think that's the correct interpretation, that's the correct in, like conclusion of the book of Job, is that yes, God is all-powerful, because he says so at the end of the book. So why would you put it in there if that's not the point? And Job is righteous because he keeps saying that all throughout the book. And there's commentary saying, and even in all of this, Job did not sin against God. So it's clearly saying God is all powerful. Job is righteous. The entire point of the book is that righteous people don't always get given great stuff by God. Sometimes righteous people get punished and suffer. Hi, Joel Osteen. Um, next question. Ace, true story. Ace always think it was Job and not Joe, not Job. Mm. Me too. Cause that's, that's what it is. It's job. Well, I'm asking a really good question here. Uh, you know, the biggest thing that when people talk to me about not believing in God, the biggest thing that I hear is a lot of bad stuff happens. And yeah, they blame, they blame, uh, People, my atheist friends sometimes blame God for all the bad things. We're not even blaming him, but allowing all the bad things that happen in the world. And I honestly truly believe that Like people also tell me about how like, all the bad things happen. All these miracles of Jesus saving your brain, all these miracles and acts, or not, yeah, some miracles and acts about, um, I believe Peter was letting the blind man walk up and see again and, and walk. And you don't hear those stories anymore, but I also feel like you don't hear those stories anymore because you, in this day and age you have more of a choice to ignore those stories because most people care more about the, the, the lady suing McDonald's over hot coffee because it didn't say caution hot, so they get all this money that most, most people care about. The other stories, I'm sure if you look it up, you'll still find stories of, you'll still find stories of God working, of a miracle, of people being told you're never going to walk again. And boom, you're walking. Walking by those doctors that said it's an impossible, it's a miracle, it's never going to happen again. I, I truly believe that 
the the argument that we're that we're currently going at right now and we're currently going at and which it's a good thing we're going at it's a good subject to talk about but the argument is that a lot of times i hear god lets this bad stuff happen why is there so much bad negativity in the world why is there so much like poisonous things happening in the world when in actuality, no one's ever asking the question how many good things are happening in the world. No one's ever actually asking the question or finding the positive facts that are happening in the world. No one's ever looking for that because all they're looking at is what they see in front of them. And what they see in front of them is nine times out of ten is who got injured in a car crash in 75. Look how many bomb, Look at how many people this band killed. Look, there's another suicide bomber in there. No one actually ever pays attention to other good things. I can't tell you. I can tell you 10 negative things for every three good things I hear on the news. No one's ever looking up the good things. Like, I can personally tell you from my personal experience, I can personally tell you I know, so, I know someone that, that was told they were never going to walk again, was told that a surgery was just going to prolong their life but not make it better. And then three months later, that's my wife is walking. And she was never told she'd be walking again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think miracles happen. Do I think we have go through bad things too? Yeah, I do. I really do. But I also believe that a lot of people, majority of the people, and I'm not saying like every person doesn't believe in God or every person that believes in God. I'm just saying I b- truly believe that the general population is more focused about all the negative things that are happening in the world instead of the positives. Or instead of any good things for that matter. Not just like everyone focusing on the positives, be set free, everyone be zen. No, I truly believe that people see the negative things, and so therefore sometimes they have more of a negative demeanor, and it's really hard to get out of it. That's what I truly believe. And I think that also correlates in the evil. And as Kevin just said about the light bulb thing, is that you can either choose to kind of be in the shadows and not let that light shine, or you can choose to have the light shine, which actually is free will to choose to allow the light to shine on you or choose to let my monologue interfere with <laughs> someone's weed whacking, probably Elden over there. But that's just my true belief. I truly believe that a lot of people in general allow the evil to be let in. And that's why bad stuff happens. Well, <laughs> our quote-unquote evil. I agree. It's easier to focus on the negative. Basically, it sounds like... Uh a lot of what Mark is saying is based off of experience. So if I've experienced a lot of negative things in my life, of course I'm going to be asking the questions, where is God? And if I've been experiencing a lot of miracles in my life where I thought good things, I'm going to be saying that too. I mean, we might as well just be asking, why did God make pessimism? Why did he make it? That's my question. We could have a podcast, and I guess, probably. But, yeah. Did he make it? I'd be a podcast. <laughs> right. Uh, all right, Mark, pick another question, preferably one we haven't already addressed, sort of. I'm trying to do a really good one, juicy one. All right. None of them are very good, so. Actually, I, I got the two that we're going to end, and you're just going to have to have a quick round here. Okay. Speed round and get both of these. All right, speed round. If the church teaches that suffering and death entered the world through the sin of the first pair of human beings, Adam and Eve, I'm assuming, uh, why was there so much suffering and death in nature prior to that? All right, now I'm confused. 
Josh is assuming that evolution is a thing. Okay, so oh. I, 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 I am... But I also got this question. Which, for the record, is a very good assumption. I get, I, I, like I said, I get all my questions just off of usually reddit.com slash Christianity, or I get it from just like I type in, like this is I just type in questions related to evil or in suffering. So they're just random internet questions. I don't really think of any of these. Anyway, I think it's a good question. No one else thinks it is because no one else wants to answer. I thought it was a good question. That's why I said speed round. So okay, I'm assuming people are going to get like 30 seconds. I, I was kind of glossed over a little bit. So basically, are you asking like uh, if we're going to go – if you're going from an evolutionary perspective, you know, yeah. why does – why is there so much like – I don't know. Yeah, so, again. so, okay. So that's what I have to assume, right? I have to assume that – says that if the church teaches that suffering and death entered the world through the sin of the first pair of human beings, why was there so much suffering and death in nature prior to that? So that's, yeah, I mean, I guess that's assuming that. We're, we're assuming original sin, right. which is a whole other podcast. Yes. Um, so let's, let's just back up for a second. I mean, first off, that's a story that is that the Jews have in Genesis about the whole thing. And but the Jews don't necessarily believe in original sin. That's a Christian idea. Um to get back on the track here, I mean I, I to kind of augment or you with your question, the one I hear a lot is uh if evolution is true and if we're going to embrace evolution, uh why is there so much death in it? Why is there so much like, you know, and it's like blatant, you know, there's nothing like an abnormality. Those die and they suffer and they die. Or you have viruses that infect population, but it won't kill off everybody. It just kills off a significant portion like the plague, which is not a virus. But, uh, so I do think that's a good question. I don't think it's from sin. Okay. Yeah, I, mean, I, I don't. I don't know if any sane Christian would say that it is from sin. Right. I hope they don't. I mean, I'm sure, there's somebody out there who's touting that crap, but I, I really hope it's not. <laughs> that would say that uh, you know whatever whatever suffering that is a result of evolution of survival of the fittest, essentially, uh, someone might say that that's a result of sin. Is that what you're saying? Right, and I think I do think there are a decent. There are some Christians who deny the natural selection theory, but they do agree with evolution theories. Uh, I think it's a good question, though, because it comes across like you know why are there viruses and bacteria? Like, what are their points? I think they do help evolution personally. I think that is my, a theory that I hold, but I still have to answer why is that a good thing. I, I guess I'm not really answering your question. I kind of just augmenting it or giving it more life. Yeah, you haven't answered it at all, uh, and I think Kevin's checked I don't, out. I, I don't point. have an answer. I don't have an answer either. Um, all right, final question. I'm going to get 30 seconds for a speed round. We're moving on to the final did, question. Did, did, I said wait, final I wanted to see if Kevin had is Kevin have a response <laughs> to any of that. Yeah, you're, you're mixing a lot of assumptions that illustrate rather well why American evangelicalism really struggles with any sort of systematic theology. It's because it does fall apart when you look at it too close. Like, American evangelical Christianity only works if you take the Bible absolutely literally, and there was no death before Adam, because evolution is evil. Like, 
as soon as you start acknowledging that not every part of scripture is meant to be taken scientific, scientifically and historically, literally, then all of a sudden American evangelical theology as a whole just falls apart. Which is why they double down on it so hard. Which is why I hate systematic theology. I would qualify that to say this is why I don't like bad systematic theology. I thought Karen was going to say this is why I hate you, Eric, which would have been funny. <laughs> like, I, but yeah, like I, I think there is a place for systematic theology, but I would agree with Eric that it does more harm than good. I like when, I like when Christians call evolution evolution. That's my favorite. <laughs> yeah, that offends me. I've never heard of that before. <laughs> okay, we didn't answer that question. Next question. All right, final question. Everyone gets 30 seconds for a speed round because we're wanna... probably over an hour. All right, 30 seconds for a speed round. We're going to start with Kevin. I'm going to go in a circle, and I'm not going to even answer the question. All right, cool. All right, so here we go, Kevin. First question. Actually, last question. This is one question, you're right? You're the first person, <laughs> yes. If he isn't powerless, then why does he choose to do nothing at times? Isn't that worse? Who is he? Like Iron Man? God. No. You said he, so I, I wrote, I read exactly <laughs> what the question says. So if God isn't powerless, then why does he choose to do nothing at times? Isn't that worse? Because preserving free will is more important than preventing suffering. Very good. I'll just sit here and... Do y'all have to answer... Does Eric have to answer it now? And yeah, I... Eric gets 30 seconds, then you get 30 seconds, right. then I'm not answering. <laughs> is this, is, do I have to answer the same question? Yes. I, I guess. Absolutely. If God isn't powerless and wise, you choose to do nothing at times, isn't that worse? No, because there's no other way of learning that people are valuable. Okay. That's, oh, wow, that was short. I said 30 seconds, everyone's like one sentence responses. Josh, you're up. Um, I have to read the question again. Can you read the question again to me, even though I have it in if front God of If God isn't powerless, then why does he choose to do nothing at times? Isn't that worse? <sighs> no, because, I mean, ultimately I understand that without it, you can't have free will. And I, and I get the free will is ultimately the greater good. It, I hate it. I don't like it, honestly. It makes me mad to say that and to think about it. But I get it. When you interfere with, it, with free will, you're interfering essentially with love and the, the the ability to have true love and for that exist and i feel like without that without true love and it kind of makes life kind of pointless it really makes it like what's the point of it all and at that point we should just be nihilists so i feel like ultimately it's difficult it makes things really icky and not good at times i feel like but without it without you know with god allowing things i guess to happen essentially it, it allows free will to exist, and because of that, greater good does come out of it ultimately. You feel like that's a terrible answer. I feel like you went over thirty seconds. It's a terrible, and it's a terrible answer. It makes me mad that I'm saying it because it's very cliche, and I can't think of a better way to put it. But I'm yeah. really sorry to interrupt everyone. You guys were talking about the greater good, right? I think, uh, Josh, <laughs> you struggle so much with it a little bit, not just because of free will, but you said that true love, but I think, as, and I'm not going to open this can of worms, but I will just leave it here, is, is that 
we don't know what true love is. Love is a very hard topic to get into. One can say we can't. I don't think you can't define it. You can define it as well as we can define evil. I think. Right. I mean, when we were talking about all loving, I mean, we mentioned it. You mentioned it in questions, and we didn't talk much about it. But I think there's a difference between our thoughts of what all loving is and what could be all loving. Like maybe it's not. Maybe all loving is not always loving all the time. Maybe it's purely loving. Like when God loves something, He loves it pure. Versus loving it like all loving. I, I don't think I mean, we're using a very Greek idea, and we haven't come up with anything since. I think it's a little questionable. Yeah, I agree. And I mean, just just to end, and in closing, uh, I mean, that idea of what our understanding of love is, we'd say, you know, oh, allowing these terrible things to happen, that doesn't seem like love. But at the same time, you know, putting a person through chemotherapy, there's a lot of pain and suffering, that doesn't seem like love, but ultimately, there's a reason for it, right? So, right. And I think, but I think Mark's right, though, right? I mean, as far as it is loving that we do have chemo to help someone get rid of cancer. Right, it, exactly. It is loving that we have radiation. It is loving that we have doctors that might be intelligent enough to administer appropriate therapies. Yep, yep. There is, there is love at work. It's just blinded quite a bit. and I, I, But we don't know what that love means, what it's like. Yep. Uh, all right, I think that's going to do it for today's show. Uh, we're fading faster than characters at the end of Infinity War. Let's say that. I'll leave it at that for right now. Uh, thanks again for listening. Uh, keep liking our Facebook page. I don't know why I say that. I mean, if you haven't liked it, why would you like it at this point? But, you know, keep liking it, you know? Just unlike it, like it again, like it a third time. It doesn't help us, but hey, it's fun, right? Subscribe to the show on iTunes. Google Play, other things, I don't know, wherever you listen to these fancy audios. Got a question? I we might have answered, I don't know. Send it to our email, one like equals one prayer at gmail.com, or you can tweet us at one like one prayer show. I think that's what it is, I don't know. Uh, I've been your host, Josh Kraus. I'm Eric Latassi. I'm a person. And I'm Kevin Ackles. As always, please share one like equals one prayer. <laughs>